Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best Internet minds in the business. Now here are your hosts, Internet Brand Strategist Sandra Beck. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is another episode in our writing series. And today's we're going to talk about self-publishing versus traditional. Why, why not, or can we do both? My lovely co-host for today is Angela Breidenbach. I'm going to have her introduce herself and our special guest star, Cynthia Hickey. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to be back with you today. And I'm just honored to be with Sandra on this show series about writing. It's been so much fun. And if you've missed any of the previous shows, you just got to go back to Coach Talk Radio and, and get all of those episodes because these guests are dynamite. And our guest today is a multi-published and Amazon best-selling author. Her first mystery, Fudge-Laced Felonies, won first place in the inspirational category of the Great Expectations Contest in 2007. All three of her cozies have been re-released as e-books through the McGregor Literary Agency, along with a new cozy series, all of which stay in the top 50 of Amazon's e-books in their genre. She had several historical romances released through Harlequin's Heart Song Presents, and she has several books and novellas with Barbara Publishing as well. She's sold over half a million copies of her works since 2013. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, and Goodreads, and as a contributor to Cozy Mystery Magazine blog and Suspense Sisters blog, she and her husband run the small press Forget-Me-Not Romances, of which I, Angela Breidenbach, have a few books with, and they include some of the CBA's best West, best-selling, best-well-known authors. Welcome, Cynthia Hickey. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's really fun to have you because you and I both have done a lot of self-publishing and traditional publishing, and a lot of people think it's like an either-or, or there's like this antagonistic um, opportunity in publishing. You either have to be one or the other. Tell me something. Why do you like doing both? Well, <laughs> well the, the market is so... Um unsettling at times it's changing all the time and it just seems beneficial to me to keep a toe in both waters you know i would agree it's a lot with you, of work <laughs> it's a lot of work <laughs> it's a lot of work doing it that way but it's we don't know what the market's going to be like in a year so it's i know i'm playing it safe and uh, even five years, five, well, I would say five, uh, maybe six or seven years ago, there was a, there was a real, no, you have to go for traditional. And then we started into this new realm, this new industry, and the industry just looks so different. And one of the things that I've noticed with this industry is that, you know, people get really scared about it. And I kind of see it more as both opportunity, but as just the constant change of, of, industry and entrepreneurialism what do you you know what do you think I love being my own boss um, <laughs> I think that I'm probably the hardest person that I could ever work for uh, my I my demands are high and um, when people ask me what it takes to be a self-published author or I their eyes start to glaze over when I start talking about how much work is involved <laughs> Okay, so but let's talk I, about I, that. Let's talk okay. about the work that's involved in being a self-published author because uh, a lot of people don't really understand that. And then we have kind of a 
the opportunity for people to just publish at will, but they don't really know how to do it professionally. So let's talk about how do you self-publish professionally? Well, first you have to start off with a good story. And my belief is that the, a, a reader, they don't want a book that's full of typos, but they don't know about industry rules. They want a good story that's free of typos. Then you've got to have a killer cover that shows at a glance what genre. It shouldn't be guesswork, what type of genre. Mm -hmm. Then your story has to be formatted correctly. And then and the real work starts with your, your marketing. And if you don't have a good story and a good cover, then your career is dead before it even got started. You know, that's so, so true. I think one of the things that people don't realize is, is how important that cover is. And I've had, you know, I've been speaking at different conferences and things and people will come up and they just love a picture. You know, it might be some antique painting or um, picture of, I don't know, their friend or, or whatever. And it doesn't pop off of the shelf. And when we say shelf, we're not only talking about a bookstore shelf, but now we're talking about a one inch thumbnail on a website. Well, and I'm going to jump in here, girls, because you're like right in my alley. I've been lost on most of these writing shows, Cynthia, honestly, as a radio host, trying to keep up with all you experts. But boy, when you get into internet brand strategy and marketing, I'm your girl. And one of the things that the rule of thumb is people buy what they can see. So if they see something and it resonates with them, they buy it. I don't care if it's a stick of gum or if it's a romance novel or a pair of sneakers. If they look at it and they feel something for it, it evokes an emotion, then you can be assured that people are going to gonna at least give it a shot. I mean, once they open the cover, it's all you. But for somebody like me who owns an internet brand strategy company, and I use radio, I use internet radio to promote products and services for clients all the time because they get to get to know you guys. They get to peek under the sheets, if you will. But if we don't have a good cover, if you don't have a good website, if you don't have a good likeness or image um, for your product or service, you're done, especially today where there's YouTube and blogging and you know websites that can be put up for free and almost everybody has internet access in the United States even if you just go to your local library very very visual so what do you think Cynthia what are your tips for a good cover well to make it easier for me because I'm I, I, I'm so busy I work six sometimes seven days a week between my writing and my clients writing mm -hmm, so same here I find out that it's easier to actually find to actually make my cover before I start writing the book. And I've, I keep telling people a lot of times you don't have to have your cover exactly match a scene in your book. You're looking more for a feel or an emotion when somebody is looking at your cover. Um, mm -hmm. As you know, as was said, it has to resonate with the reader. Um, okay. You've got toes dipping in the water and they're, looking goo-goo-eyed at each other that doesn't necessarily have to be your cover you can have a, a beautiful you know a woman that fits your character's description um with this look of rapture on her face and the reader's going to look at that and say why does she look so happy or why does she look so like she's daydreaming or you want to evoke that emotion and if you don't know how to do photoshop what you know and do it well then it would behoove you to hire somebody 
because would there agree. are a lot of bad covers out there. <laughs> <laughs> I well, that's really sad because, you know, there's some really good books and I've seen this over the years. I get, you know, as part of my job, Cynthia, I actually have to look at people's books. Like I have to crack open the cover and I get boxes and boxes from publishing houses. You would be, you'd die if you saw how much was shipped to my, um, uh, my house. It's actually enough to fill the Los Angeles VA shelves alone. Um, <laughs> And so I get this box and I open it up and I look at all these covers and I'm like, oh, my God, like this one, you know, my retinas, my eyes, my eyes. And, (laughs) you know, it's you've got to how much control. And I'm just going to ask this. How much control do you have on your cover? I know if you self-publish it, you have a lot of control. And Angela, maybe you're best to ask. I don't really know who. How much control do you have over your cover once you sign a publishing agreement? Publishing agreements oh. uh, make it difficult because they, they ask for your input and then they do what they want, right? <laughs> exactly. A traditional publisher, you virtually have no say on your cover. Uh, with a small press, you may have more. Um, you know, And, of course, you have full control if you self-publish or indie publish, I guess is the mm-hmm. politically correct way to say it now. Um, (laughs) but yeah, with traditional publishing, they'll ask you, sometimes you'll fill out a form, but I have yet to have a single one of my books come out with a cover that matches the form I filled out. Yeah. And we just had, um, I have a book coming out with Barbara publishing next August, the book's already written and there's nine different authors in it. Um, that one is, uh, second chance brides collection coming out August, 2017 and all week long. We've been going back and forth with the editor, who is Becky Germany, and um, she sent out a request. Hey, give me uh, 40 words to describe your story, and then um, give me some imagery ideas that you'd like to see on the cover. So then what they're doing is they collect all those ideas, and then they find what they like. But within a traditional publisher, um, they often have a set format that they use for a particular um, series or Um, imprint and an imprint would be a line within a publishing house and so um, it's really important that they are able to follow through with following that specific format and on these larger novella collections and and Cynthia Hickey and I have both been in some of these together in fact um, Cynthia aren't we in Blue Ribbon Brides which one are we in together Blue Ribbon (laughs) yeah we're in Blue Ribbon. Ribbon Which releases in November. I'm in six between this this August and next October. Um, and we just kind of got, well, except for Blue Ribbon, I think she gave us a little bit of input on that. But on the in the other five that I'm in, I just all of a sudden got a cover in my email. I yeah. had no input whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's been really, really interesting to see that. Uh, Blue Ribbon, I had some input on Second Chance Brides. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on. and But the publisher, if it's a traditional publishing house, really has control of that. And then, But something that I think that indies or self-published authors really need to take advantage of is recognizing that, that traditional houses know what works. And right. so... They one of the things when Cynthia, you and I were talking before. Oh gosh, was it a year or two ago? Because together we've done like Christmas traditions where um, we had. Is there eight or ten 
Um, There's eight you know what? I'm going to have to jump in right now and take us to commercial break. This ah. is Coach Talk Radio. We are visiting today with Cynthia Hickey. Now, you can find her. Look her up. Go to Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A, Hickey. That's H-I-C-K-E-Y.com, CynthiaHickey.com. My lovely co-host is Angela Breidenbach. You're going to want to go to her website. Look her up, Angela, A-N-G-E-L-A, Breidenbach, B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H.com. You're going to want to go to these sites because we're going to be talking about these different books and you're going to want to grab a copy because as part of these writing series it's absolutely miraculous that you can talk to an author find out something about writing and then go to their book and they'll tell you exactly where to find it so you can see an example so we come back from the break we're going to talk more about the industry publishing traditional versus um, self-publishing and indie publishing we'll be back after the break summertime and you know what that means attack of the mosquitoes other names for the mosquito are galley nipper katie nipper gabber and galley whopper a quote from the 1906 book the parsons boys asserts that galley nippers are so called because at each nip they took a gallon mitzi is a deceptively cute shortening of mosquito that might be heard in ohio If you're in Virginia and hear someone complaining about cousins, they might have annoying relatives, or they might just be talking about mosquitoes. Why do they call mosquitoes cousins? Because there are so many and they stick so close. But whatever you call them, all this begs the question, why didn't Noah swat those two mosquitoes? It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Now that the weather is colder, many exercisers have taken their outdoor walk or run indoors to the treadmill. There are so many advantageous things about working out on the treadmill, but the two that stand out are intervals and hills. Most treadmills have programs that increase the speed and or incline of the treadmill so you can get a great workout without even thinking about it. The treadmill does the work for you. Walking up steep hills is excellent for fat burn and heart conditioning. Since I live in Dallas, Texas, and it's mostly flat, it's difficult to find hills outdoors. So the treadmill workout that inclines and declines is perfect. During these cold winter months, I encourage you to try a treadmill workout and challenge yourself in ways that you can't when exercising outdoors. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. It's all mine. Taking care of business. Working overtime. Taking care of business. Hey 
guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck and Coach Talk Radio, and we are knee-deep or neck-deep in our writer series. And for those of you that liked what you heard in the first part of this episode, you're going to want to go to iTunes under Coach Talk Radio. There's at least eight other episodes like this uh, that you can find where you can really get a great handle on writing. And what I like about this, oh, by the way, you can also find us on Coach Talk Radio Show, and you can check us out at toginet.com. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com to find out more about uh, this series. And we did a series uh, show a while back in the series, Angela, about conferences. And to me, this is like the end-all be-all of going to a conference if you can't get there. Like this to me is like this mini conference. And there's just so much good on here. And we get to talk to great experts like Cynthia Hickey, uh, who's our guest today. And you can see her at CynthiaHickey.com. And you guys just have to go to her site and look at it because there are like, when you talk about covers like first of all they're different looking but you can see a good example of a line in a series and um you get just a really good idea what she's talking about and you can really see the personality in these books come through and Mm -hmm. cynthia that can't be any accident um well (laughs) if you're talking about the cozy mysteries they're um they're fun they're quirky they're the main characters are just ordinary girls that get involved in something that they're not supposed to get involved in. And I wanted the covers to show that I wanted them to be lighthearted mind candy, basically. And, uh, you know, it took, it takes a lot of playing around to get the cover with the right feel. So I'm glad that you were like them. I think they're fun, but I might be a little bit biased. <laughs> well, I think the key to to your covers is that you really follow um, uh, dimensions and formatting that makes it look professional. And I think one of the things that's really difficult in in some of the self-published stuff that, um, because I don't know if, if our listeners know or not, but I've been a professional book judge for several years now, and I've judged about close to a thousand books. And Is there anything you can't do? I just got this vision of you, like in this <laughs> Superman cape, you know, or no, you would actually be Zod or Neil before Zod or what was, what was Superman's dad where he's like, is there anyone on this planet that can even challenge me? That's what came to mind when you said that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, thank you for that. I compliment. Wow. I'm going to send you a cape. Uh, one of the Cynthia, on our last episode, we gave out crowns and stars. So today oh, we're going to do yeah. capes. So Cynthia, oh, all right. episode, we get to wear capes. And Sweet. so, and. Yeah, and Cynthia is is somebody who, like me, we're both really um, driven. We're definitely type A plus personalities, very driven. And so I think that it's a plus if you are that way, being an author, because you want to produce and you want to create. But if you're a learner, then you can also learn these things. Um, and I think it's it's a key element of succeeding in this industry <laughs> that shows us, you know, how to survive if we're willing to be learners. And I think sometimes, okay, here's a pet peeve for me is if you don't want to learn something new, if about you people who don't post, who don't shut their phone off, that's a pet peeve. Of mine. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go ahead. <laughs> if you don't want to learn something new, if you don't want to understand what makes, what are the elements to a good cover? What are the elements to a good interior design? And there are elements that are important. If you don't want to understand how to write the back of a book cover 
and not only how it's formatted and there is um, industry professional formatting, um, including your bio and your photo and your ISBN and your barcode, but also really well-crafted back cover copy. If you don't want to understand and do all those things, do not self-publish, right? Exactly, right. I mean, and there's others. I mean, in today's world, it's it's the hardest time to be an author, but it's also the best time to be an author. You have so many different avenues to get your book out there if, and that's a big if, if your book's ready to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got your self-publishing, your traditional publishing, your hybrid publishing, your small press publishing. If you don't know how to do the things that Angela just mentioned, then either hire professional or try the small press route. Don't mm-hmm. do it yourself if you do not know what you're doing. <laughs> If you didn't understand even some of the terms Angela used, like I, you were like talking about living rooms, interior design, I was so lost. I was like, <laughs> there's a good indication I probably shouldn't self-published. <laughs> um, interior design is different than cover design. And for instance, um, when you're writing um, on a manuscript and you send it to a traditional publisher, it is... It's formatted so you have one-inch margins all the way around, 12-point font. Normally, not always, but normally, um, Times New Roman, um, you have uh, 25 lines per page. So you set that inside your settings. And there's, there's an absolute formatting that you do. And usually the first line in a chapter has no indent. All lines after that have a 0.5 indent. Okay. Um, paragraphs, I mean. So what happens, though, when you're self-publishing, all that goes out the window. Because when you send that into a publisher, they completely change the the format. They change it to be single-line spacing. They change it to be about 0.25 of an indent. Um, they'll use drop caps um, so that there's that big old letter at the beginning of every chapter that looks really beautiful. Um, they'll even change the font that they actually publish the book in. And so all of those things go out the window because they take your document that's that's created in Word or whatever, you know, Word publishing thing you're using to create your typed document. And then they flow that or they convert that into one of two different types of software. And then they do what's called layout and setup, and they put how you're going to read that novel. So you read it page one, page two, page three, page four, right? Well, if you're if you're scrolling down a screen, you're just doing it in a lineal order, a lineal fashion. But when they lay that out on a screen so that it goes into a printer, they don't actually um, they they don't actually print it in a linear fashion because they have to lay a page on top of a page on top of a page and then fold them together. So they have the first page and the last page on a layup. And usually it's laid up in four at a time. So if you don't know how to do all that for print, then you have to hire that out. Right, Cynthia? Yes. Yes. And there's there's so many different things that are happening as far as the way people want their books to look now. I mean, there's um, not only just the drop caps that Angela was talking about, but there's watermarks, there's clip art, there's, uh, you know, cute little scene breaks. And it's, and it's all of those types of special little touches that can make your book stand out. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely part of the craft that needs to be learned. And I mean, I'm going to jump. Go ahead. uh Sorry, Kathy, go ahead. Still are plain, you know, there are still plain books out there with great stories and people don't mind, but 
if you want your book to just have that little extra touch, then you need to learn how to do those little extra touches. Well, and I'm just going to say as a media person, you know, we established earlier in the show, I get hundreds of books a week sent to my office here for people wanting to be on my four shows. And now these are from authors around the world, but they're also from major publishing houses like Tarcher, Random House, Perigee, uh, Atria Books, uh, Simon Schuster. I mean, these are big houses. And when I look at books and I see a book that has care put into it. Like I open it up and I see that it's formatted properly. It's clean. It's a pretty layout. It's visually pleasing. Like I call it eye candy. It's like, if it's visually pleasing to me, I actually put the books that I like that are well done. And I can see that people took a lot of time in those actually go to the top of my pile because those kind of weed out, um, a lot of the junk that's out there that people think you just write a story, slap a cover on it, and I'm going to be an instant bestseller. And it just doesn't work that way. And But it's, but you, you get it. I mean, and I, I have a slush pile of stuff. And then I go through and if I see typo errors or I see stuff formatted weird or they're cheap and they, they make the skinny little tiny book with like horrible font. It's so little and so tight. I just look at that and I just throw it in the giveaway pile. I didn't even bother to read it because if you're going to make my eyeballs bleed, I'm not going to put you on my show. <laughs> well, and there's, and there's people too that in order to save, because the more pages your book has, the more expensive it is. And there's people who have their margins going all the way to, the ends oh. of the pages and it's just it's very difficult it. to read no it's very difficult to read um another thing to, that people need to remember is it's easier to read when you justify your margins you justify your print rather than having it left justified it's just the way our eyes move and it's not as necessary so much as in an ebook as it is in a print book but save yourself the time and just do just do both of them pretty. Oh, I'm going to just, I have to jump in here. I know we only have two minutes, but I'm just going to jump in and be like all over the ebook because I get a ton of those submissions and they, they fire right over to my Kindle and I will take my Kindle on airplanes. I'll take my Kindle wherever I go. And in between whatever I'm doing, I'll start reading and skimming and look at things. If you don't know how to format an ebook and you have charts in there, like, you know, a chart that shows up on three pages consecutively, things like that. Don't do it. Like, don't even waste your time, because if you're not going to do it right, nobody's going to look at you, discover you, fix all your mistakes and make you a star. It's like, if you're going to do it yourself, you got to have it done in a way I could actually read your book and put you on the air. Otherwise, it just kind of goes into the why bother. Think about your right. book as a business, and you are an entrepreneur, and your business is a risk. And if you don't put the money out there to take the risk to hire people to do what you don't know how to do, then you are, you have no business being in business. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm going to take us to commercial break. The same applies to internet radio and podcasting, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I respect you guys. I respect your time. I respect that we all have lives to live. And so why should we give hours of our time to an author or a radio host if they don't do their homework and they don't do a good job? This is Coach Talk Radio with Sandra Beck. My lovely co-host is Angela Breidenbach. Our special guest star is Cynthia Hickey. Check her out at CynthiaHickey.com. Angela brydenbach.com and if you want go to sandrabeck.com sure i'm i'm there too we, we all have to be there because it is 
a business. And at the end of the day, we do want to have our likeness out there. If you want to learn more about what we're talking about, you can check us out on iTunes, Coach Talk Radio Show, and toginet.com. We'll be back after the break. Years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's my favorite books is called Forgotten English by author Jeffrey Kaser, who looks at the origins and histories of the language. For example, take the term Fritterbohn. That's an old English expression, probably borrowed from German, that means fleeting weeks and refers to what we call a honeymoon. A fribbler is a guy who doesn't ever make it to the honeymoon. The word fribbler comes from the 18th century and refers to a man who is in love with a woman but just won't commit to marriage. Chaucer coined the term pigasnia, which comes from the phrase pig's eye to mean sweetheart. Hey guys, why don't you try that one and your girlfriend and see how it goes. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. It's all mine. Taking care of business. Working overtime. Taking care of business. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is Coach Talk Radio and my lovely co-host today is Angela Breidenbach and my special guest star is Cynthia Hickey. Check them out, CynthiaHickey.com and AngelaBreidenbach.com. Now we were talking about, really about presentation and when you present your book to the public, you have to look at it through really kind of tough, cold eyes to go, is this attractive? Is this engaging? Does the cover represent, you know, what kind of feeling I want to evoke? Because I have a thing, I'm an internet brand strategist by by trade, Cynthia, and I use internet radio as a lot of marketing endeavors uh, that I'm part of. But one of the things that I would always tell people, especially in fundraising, is if I can make you cry, I can make you open your wallet. <laughs> so There you go. <laughs> 
it's emotion. The world, we are all driven by feelings and emotions, and especially in certain genres, when we look at a cover and it makes us feel wonderful or it's intriguing or it's interesting or it's funny, those are the reasons when I'm in the bookstore, I choose one book over another. Um, and I'm going to ask Cynthia to weigh in first what you think about what I just said. I definitely think that you're right on the ball. I mean, I write in several different genres, so I had to learn different um, covers. Uh, cozy mysteries are, like I said, usually lighthearted and mine have humor, so I needed funny uh, covers for them. My historical romances needed to be a little more on the sweet, lovey-dovey side, and then uh, one of the favorite things that I like to write are serial killer books. <laughs> I like to tell <laughs> I like to tell people like that I kill people for a living, and then when their eyes get all big, I say on paper. So, and that's a totally different look. Those have to be dark, and you can't. There's no humor in a uh, suspense book. Now, if it's a romantic suspense, then you you know you can have the male and female on there, but they're not usually going to be smiling or looking lovingly into each other's eyes. And when I started doing this and started making my own covers. I went to a bookstore and browsed the aisles looking at the be the covers of best-selling books. And I still do that now. Me and too. I also go on to Amazon and I look and I don't want my books to be exactly like somebody else's, but I want them to be close enough that I'm hitting the mark in the genre. Think about the cover um, and the interior design as elemental versus, like she said, you don't want it to be exact, but is it is that genre done in thirds? Um, is it done where they're the the head of the character is this big old thing? Is you know there's the a lot head. of yeah the floating head. There's a lot of floating heads in historical romance. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's yeah, it's common. Um, Which is like floating heads versus severed heads, <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and you could have a historical suspense romance too. Oh yeah, there's so many different subgenres, and I think it's really important that it you you understand the elements of it, and then put your photography over top of those elements. And isn't it important, Cynthia, to make sure that you have rights, or that you've purchased, or that you've taken that photography for that book cover? Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, my son takes some of my. He's a, a blooming photographer and. He takes some of my photographs and I, you have to get a model release form signed. And then if you do buy a stock photo off of one of the many stock photo sites, you have to make sure that you read the guidelines and make sure that, cause some of them are only good for so many copies sold mm -hmm. and you have to keep track of whether or not you're reaching that. Of course we would all like to reach the number that they put on there that before you buy the extended license, it's a very high number, mm -hmm. but um, you, it, you don't always want to use a stock photo exactly as you purchase it either. You want to start learning to work with layers mm -hmm. because other people are using that same stock photo. So how are you going to make yours look different? Oh, that drove me crazy. I, I love so many of the um, authors so much. And I came out with my book cover, The Debutante Queen. Everybody wanted to know where I got my photo. I never thought about it. And I said, well, this is where I got it. And all of a sudden, five or six more books came up with my same um, photo on it. 
and it was that I had purchased for the my book cover. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it makes it it makes it really difficult for you to stand out with your book cover if you haven't done something to change it. And, well, and can yeah. I jump in and, and do a shameless plug for Fiverr? I know a lot of people don't like Fiverr. I love Fiverr because I can purchase an image for my own use and then have it modified so it is uniquely mine. And Fiverr is F-I-V-E-R-R. There's lots of great artists on there. When I need projects done, it's five bucks. So, you know, I give them an image. I want it sketched. I want it drawn. I want it painted. I want it rendered. Whatever it is, five bucks, I'm done. And then I don't have to get involved in other people ripping off an image that I found and used for my work. So there's, you know, internet brand strategist plug number, like, I don't know, 517. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people, I love Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com, Canva.com. But again, making sure that um, you use the different elements to change that, and now I'm using the word elements in more than one way. <laughs> the tool, the tools <laughs> to change the elements on your book cover, you know, that are in there. Even if it's changing the reflection or the transparency level, um, anything that can make it stand out as different and unique. Now that's Canva at C-A-N-V-A dot com. Yes. And on top of that, there, there's an app you can do on your cell phone and you can use it to create. Um, we can get into this in the marketing one coming up, but <laughs> yeah, you can come up with great memes with your book covers and things like that. And again, this oh, is memes are your best friend. Ah, we love memes. <laughs> oh, can I just tell you the best meme I saw recently was a meme from, I think it was some e-cards that said, aren't you happy to know that even Brad Pitt can get dumped? <laughs> like, <laughs> That was so funny. I mean, I'm sorry for Brangelina and their breakup and everything, but when they said, like, isn't it great to know that even Brad Pitt can get dumped like that, that that actually made my divorce somewhat okay. You know, it goes back to that concept we were talking about in the last episode with Sarah Sundin, where um, we we really want to bond with someone who has a fatal flaw or someone that is more human. And so um, the reason we laugh isn't because we we are glad that these two people broke up, but we laugh because these are two people that are held up to be a level of perfection. And then suddenly they're human and they have their own issues. And that is really something that you have to take into account when you are writing your story, whether it is traditional or self-publish. And I think um, some of the things, uh, Cynthia, what do you do when somebody sends to you a book that's not ready to publish? Oh, I hate that. I hate turning <laughs> I hate turning people down and I don't make the, now if I really like the book, then I'll, I'll make the decision on my own. But if there's something that is striking me wrong, I'll send it to another lady who helps me with my acquisitions and see if we're in agreement as to what's wrong with it. And if it's, if it's something that can be fixed, then we'll send it back and ask that they fix it and then resubmit. There, there are some that I've sent back and, um, just giving them a lot of pointers and tips because they're, they really just haven't learned the craft well enough yet. Yeah. And I, I want to encourage um, people, but I mean, you can learn the craft, but, but you have to be born a storyteller. And sometimes no matter how much you want it, I don't think everyone is a storyteller. Well, and I think and sometimes they want to tell harsh. their, they want to tell their own story, you know, like in a memoir or something like that. But, um, again, you can't tell, like, your whole life story in a small memoir. 
And some of the ways that you can tell a great story is by taking the the plot points of your life and figuring them out into a fiction novel and creating fictional characters rather than trying to tell your own exact, you know, story. But that's an art. You know, it's not something you can just do off the cuff. You know, well, and Cynthia, okay, I'm, I'm going to back you up here. Just let okay. me just say this really quick. I can shoot a basketball, but it doesn't make me Shaq. I can smile for the camera. I'm not Heidi Klum, and I can be really funny, but I'm no Goldie Hawn. And we're all great examples. Things. And just because you write a book and it's not good and, and you want it to be good, you know, hire a ghostwriter. Like there's other right. things you can do if you're not naturally good at this. Like, you know, I'm not naturally good at certain things. So I send my photos over to be Photoshopped or like we talked about Fiverr. You know, there's other opportunities. But I think there's something out here that says because we're all given a pen and paper at childhood that we all should somehow be able to magically write. And that's not the case. And so, Kathy, I just wanted to honor you on what you said because Cynthia. it really or Cynthia, sorry, it's really hard to turn somebody down um, when they're not good. And you can look at it and go, well, there's a real good chance this is probably never going to be good. That makes it even harder because you feel like you're crushing a dream. But the fact is, we all can't be good at all things. Well, and it's really not fair for them to have the false hope that they're going to publish their book and make it sell. Um, for example, um, my father wrote a memoir. He was a 17-year-old 17-year-old boy during the Vietnam War. Not Vietnam, I'm sorry, Korean War. He's only one of three in his platoon that came out alive. Um, he wrote a memoir, and there's, there's things that are lacking in it, but it's, it, you're reading this book, and it is like you are sitting across the table, and he is telling you his story. So I went ahead and encouraged him to... Um, publish this book because it, it's, it is a personal account of just his time over there in, in Korea. And it is, you know how they're always saying that the, the elderly can teach us so much and you sit across from them and you listen to them tell their story. That's what the book is. It's just him telling his story. And he's actually selling, it's actually selling and he's gotten, even though it's not, um, craft worthy per se today's standards um, people love it because they're like oh my gosh this is so real because it's this the is, story it's the story exactly okay it's I gotta take story. us to commercial break we're visiting today with Cynthia Hickey even though I called you Kathy I'm sorry that's um, okay <laughs> we all make mistakes flawed character right here um, <laughs> CynthiaHickey.com AngelaBreidenbach.com when we come back from the break we're going to talk more about uh, these issues because these are big deals especially for first time writers and on Coach Talk Radio we want to empower you we want to encourage you support and validate you but we most importantly also want to direct you we'll be back after the break with more from, from Cynthia, Sandra, and Angela, Coach Talk Radio.
According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are one in three. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Prevention Magazine claims potatoes have been given a bad rap among dieters. They say it's because people tend to consume them in the form of greasy french fries, chips, and buttery mashed potatoes. But potatoes really are a nutritious food when they're prepared the right way. One medium potato has about 150 calories and 5 grams of fiber. It also packs nearly 20% of your daily quota for heart-healthy potassium. So bake, roast, steam, or boil potatoes, and don't lather them up with butter and excessive sour cream or mayonnaise. Skip the fried versions of potato chips and fries. For an even healthier version, choose sweet potatoes that are rich in vitamin A. Not only do they taste delicious, they can also help lower blood pressure naturally. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Taking care of business. Every day. Taking care of business. Every way. Taking care of business. guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck of Coach Talk Radio, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Angela Breidenbach, and um, we have our special guest star, Cynthia Hickey, here today, and you can check the girls out at AngelaBreidenbach.com, CynthiaHickey.com, and I'm your host, Sandra Beck at SandraBeck.com. Now, Angela, we have, let's talk about the hard work of publishing. Let's talk about what that really means. You know, behind the scenes, um, while we were at commercial break, we, we kind of went into this, oh, man, our lives are so busy and blah, blah, blah. And what's really important about that is the blah, blah, blah stuff. When you get into publishing, like we said, this is a business. This takes work. And so, Cynthia, tell me, you just said what your work day, um, the hours, and then what it consists of. And then tell us why it's so busy for you in your regular life, too. Oh. Wow. Okay. Well, I get up at 5.30 in the morning. I work till 2.30 in the afternoon. I work from 5.30 to 8 on my clients' books. Then I write my 2,000 words a day. And then it's back to the clients. Um, That's a half hour a day for marketing. No more than that because writing the book is still the next best thing. I'm a mom. Uh, Luckily, I only have one that still lives at home. I have eight grandchildren. (laughs) But you have how many kids? Yeah, you've been writing for years, though, right? Um, actually, got my first book published in '07. Okay, and so, how many kids were at home in '07? Four. Uh huh. And how many kids do you have total? Seven. Uh huh. And uh, so I'm already tired. I just I can't uh-huh. get up with you. I can't raise seven kids. How many dogs and cats? 
two dogs, two cats, two desert tortoises, and three box turtles. <laughs> All right. So, Angela, you with your six kids, Kathy with your uh-huh. seven kids. I'm just going to keep my trap shut over here with my two kids. <laughs> Well, this is the thing. Cynthia and I were talking about what do we do in our day? And um, I I write about 2,000 words a day. Yesterday, I managed to get about 630 words in because I had a huge amount of marketing going on for a collection that I'm in. And it was taking all day to do that between emails and everything else. And um, I think it's it's really crucial that we understand that we have our regular job, which is writing. But then in in addition to this, whether you're traditional publishing or self-publishing, you still have to market. You still have to do promos. You still have to do contests. You still have to do interviews. Hi there. We're on the air right now with Sandra Beck at Coach Talk Radio. You still have to communicate with your your agent and your editor, and you then you're writing one book while you're getting the edits back for another, while you're sending in a proposal or a synopsis for one that's coming up to maybe two books down the line. Um, am I anywhere close to your life, Cynthia? Oh, yes. Um, I had a best-selling author tell me that you are always working on three books, the book you're writing, yep. the book you're editing, and the book you're marketing. 100% true. And then you're also, if you're, if you're a smart business person, you are not just doing those three books, but you have a board in your office that it has a chart or a plan, you know, to follow. And I, I remember getting an email from Cynthia. Was it you said you do? You follow a list? Oh, you do not want to see the wall above my desk. <laughs> <laughs> there are post-it notes, notebook papers. The only thing pretty is a... Uh, a Newsweek magazine with Elvis Presley on it and a Life magazine with Gone with the Wind. Everything oh. else is notes, notes, notes. Oh, <laughs> I got tax papers. In? I got tax papers stuck up there too. Yeah, it's as the least successful member of the writing team on the air today, I want to tell you, I actually have a beautiful office. Um, I actually got a, an huh? advance and put my office together and I got Pottery Barn furniture. It's all black so that I can get all inky, stinky fingers on everything. Then I bought like myself some some 31 you know those 31 uh bags boxes all that stuff they sell for 31 and i bought myself all these boxes with they have like little chalkboard things on them and you Mm -hmm. stick them in your your bookcase and then you can write and chalk what they are so i throw all my crap in there and then i'm like a little kid i pull my work box down and i just work out of my little box for you know that thing and shove it back in i just have to tell you as the least successful person on the team i do have a rocking beautiful office i'm going to post some pictures oh i love it i mean i have a beautiful office but um it's not i need my office to be about the entire there's three bedrooms on the top floor of my home mine i took over to the girls when they moved out i took over their their bedroom and it is not big enough i need to knock out a wall and take over another bedroom because between work, um, college, and um, all the other stuff that I do, you know, with volunteerism and things, uh, there, I don't have enough filing cabinets. I don't have enough space. I literally need my own. I need. Are you all cabinets. the way up to the ceiling? Because my bookshelves go all the way up to the ceiling. No, Mike. The yes. closet that is open is. <laughs> oh. It acts as a bookshelf. <laughs> if there's an earthquake, girls, I'm going to be smashed like a pancake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think the important thing to note here is it's hard work. And um, tell me a workflow, Cynthia. Um, so 
you you've written a, you are in the process of writing a book. What's your workflow from start to finish? And you know we're going to be short on time, so just kind of take us through um, a workflow of getting a book out there. I have an idea what my cover cover's going to be look, be like. I have my character names. I have my character descriptions. I know how the book starts. I know how the book ends. If I'm writing something where people die, which are my favorite, I have the person's death um, and who's going to die. I may not always know who killed them until later on in the book because my characters tend to take over. I'm not a plotter. Um, I'm a seat of the pantser. Um, in my mysteries, I do have to take a little more notes than I do in, say, my romances mm-hmm. or, you know, or whatever. But I have to have, I have to know what my story is going to be about and who's going to be in it and what they look like mm-hmm. before I can even start typing. And then once all that's done, we go to publishing. Right. Then I finalize my cover. I format the book. I And you're talking self-publishing, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I finalize my cover. I format the inside of my book. I upload my book and Amazon's very, very fast at uploading for me. I think it's because of the volume, um, between me and my clients that I put up. So within two hours, the book is live. Then the marketing starts. There's a Mm -hmm. ton of Facebook groups that you can post to. But like I said, I do not spend more than 30 minutes a day marketing, Mm-hmm. Because you have got to move on to the next book. And series sell better than standalones. That is so true. And knowing that and understanding how to market a series. And then understanding and a lot of things I do so that I can figure out what I'm doing in the self-publishing side of my um, of my career. Is I take a lot of the tutorials. And they offer tutorials through CreateSpace, through um Uh, YouTube and things like this. If I want to learn something, I Google it and go on from there, you know, so that I can figure out how to do these things. But I think it's important to understand that if you are going to enter into this career, whether self-publishing or traditional publishing, it isn't just about writing a good story. It's important, but there are so many other things that happen around that story. And then if this is a career that happens around the next story and the next story and the next story. And one of my favorite authors, and I I think you know her, Tracy Peterson? Yes. Yes. she's. I think she's on book 110 now. Oh goodness! <laughs> and she's like I, somebody that I look up to because I want to follow in the footsteps of somebody who does that kind of prolific writing, like you do. You're a prolific writer, and you choose whether or not you want to self-publish or traditional publish that. But I think it's really important that we be organized, that we be aware of all the things that has to happen around that book, and not enter well, into this Pollyanna-like. Yeah, um, I'll tell you right now, it's. The uh, indie books that earn me my living. I'm a full-time writer, and it's the indie books that earn the living. The traditionally published books are just a nice little bonus, but they are not enough to make a living off of. But don't you think that a lot of the traditional publishing um, helps get the name out there? Because I just think sometimes when an author bites the hand that that feeds them, and I don't mean by financially, but I mean by getting their name known, I really want. Yes, they to... need to play off each other. Your books need mm-hmm. to play off your traditional and your indie books need to play off each other. And we need to recognize that there's a huge level of respect for the traditional um, arena because a lot of times that's how an author gets established and gets their name known. But then there's a huge level of respect that needs to be given to the self-published author for the heavy hard work that you have to do 
and for the value of the time that they put into that. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, Cynthia, we've only got about three minutes till the end of the show. What's your best piece of advice for aspiring writers today? Like somebody's listening, they have a story that's maybe halfway or completed. What do you think they should do next? You need to find a set of eyes that's going to be completely honest with you, not your mom, not your yeah. sister. <laughs> you need to find somebody that's going to be completely honest with you, and you have to have a rhino tough skin. Um, have several people look at what you're doing. And of course it's your story and you don't want anyone else to change your voice, but you do want to take what they say and seriously think about it and improve your, your writing. And you want to continue. I'm still learning the craft. I'm continuously reading how to books, attending conferences, a must for any aspiring writer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you need to have a network of other authors that you can trust and work with and don't give up. Don't ever right. give up. If this is what you want. A real writer, a real person who is writing for a career is always a student is always wanting to be educated is always want to grow in the craft and in the industry. And I think it's a crucial thing to be aware that when you get published, you, you have not arrived. There's still a journey. And there's still a lot of work to do. Um, I need to take us now to the end of the show. I want to thank you, Angela Breidenbach, for being my lovely co-host today. Check her out at AngelaBreidenbach.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-A Bryden, B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H.com. I want you to check out Cynthia Hickey. She's got a great site. She's got great book covers um, and, and just really a neat site to look at. Cynthia Hickey, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A Hickey, H-I-C-K-E-Y dot. This is just one in many of our writing series for Coach Talk Radio that was spawned because of your letters and emails and posts that you put in that said you were thinking of writing a book and what advice do we have to give? So instead of me giving you some advice that may or may not work, I decided to team up with Angela Brydenrock and bring on industry experts that can help demystify in today's case, uh, self-publishing versus traditional publishing. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques from Coach Talk Radio.